0: What's up, everyone? Tara Roberts here, and welcome to the Dear Miss Fantasy show for week eight. We're the official mailbag show of Player Profiler. I'm so excited for this show because we've got some very good questions. I love, love, love these questions. I love the questions every single week, but there are some really, really good ones here. We've got some good hot topics. We don't have a ton of injuries. Thankfully, we do have a few that we're going to talk about. And it isn't, like, is it technically Halloween week? Because Halloween will be over early next week. I'm not a big Halloween person, but I feel like things are going to be a little bit spooky this weekend in the NFL. Like, it's already happening. We've got contenders that are flopping. We've got injuries that are lingering. Denver is winning. This is like, I don't know. I feel like we've got some weird things coming this week. Some games are going to be crazy. Some players are going to pop. We have zero teams on a bye week. So this, like, feels super uncomfortable because we've got... This massive, massive amount of games after having these weeks with bye weeks, where I feel like I kind of got like a mild vacation in terms of not having to analyze so many games. And now we're jumping right back into everybody. But here we go. It's going to be a fun week. Again, I do think that it's going to be a spooky week. So stay alert, stay alert because I think things are coming. We also have the trade deadline coming up here. coinciding with Halloween. So it's going to be interesting. Um, we'll go ahead and dive into the hot topics since we have a lot of really good questions this week. And the hot topic, if you haven't guessed it by the thumbnail that I want to cover, is uh, it's the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I titled this episode, and I don't know if this is going to stick because, you know, someone changes the episode that's clearly smarter than me to make it so that it actually makes sense for um, for YouTube. And for podcasts, so this might not be the actual title, but it's the title in my mind. It is the good, the bad, and the Ridley. You're obviously guessing what the Ridley is. Um, <laughs> I want to. Uh, I want to start off this week talking about this hot topic and um, start off with an apology. An apology to uh, Travis Etienne. I would like to think I should have worn a Clemson shirt. Um, I would like to think that I have more hits than misses. Like, I think I'm a good fantasy analyst. You know, I don't like to toot my own horn, but uh, I, I think I'm pretty good. And if you know me, uh, and if you if you don't know me, you'll get to know me, hopefully. Um, you know that I'm not really a hot take artist. Uh, I'm more of a precision analyzer. Like, it might not be super sexy takes, but they're good. They're accurate. They're well backed. They're well researched. Like, in terms of hot takes and spiciness, like on a scale of just like mild sauce from Taco Bell all the way up to like some kind of hot sauce that has like a Carolina Reaper, like kind of flavor to it. That's just going to burn you insanely. I'm more like a, I'm more like a Cholula kind of hot sauce in terms of my takes. I might give you like a Texas Pete's every now and then too. I can get to a Texas Pete level, right? Like it give you like a little, little something, Right? I love I love spicy food way too much comment like comment and let me know if you like spicy food um, the way that I do sometimes I put so much like hot sauce and red pepper flakes especially red pepper flakes I got a problem um, that it gets to the point where I'm like is this even food anymore you just did nothing but just make it ridiculously hot um, but I keep doing it I keep doing it like a fool uh, so yeah anyone else have that problem yeah I can't eat anything without some kind of some kind of kick, some kind of flavor. So yes, I'm I'm super spicy in real life. Um, not aggressively spicy in my fantasy football analysis because I like I don't like to reach for the sake of reaching. I like to say things that are very realistic. And one of my you know I'll give you like a like a bold take for me was like Jordan Love and all of his pass catchers will well outperform their ADP. Which, like it or not, um, you know, sans Christian Watson and his little hobbled self running around and not running around. Um, I'm giving myself an injury pass on that one. But like it or not, <laughs> Jordan Love and all his past catchers have actually factually outperformed their EDPs. Significantly. So um, like it or not, that was correct. Uh, but that's like a that's like a spicy hot take for me. But one of the mild takes that I didn't think was very spicy at all, um, was fading Travis Etienne. And I do really have to apologize to that one. Um, to Travis Etienne and to fantasy managers for not being more in on him. And I feel bad about it because, again, if you know me, I am a Clemson alumni. I am a I'm from South Carolina literally like 20 minutes up the road from Clemson like die hard Clemson in in a stupid way right I you know applied to no school other than Clemson dedicated to Clemson my whole life I will I will die loving Clemson and I will try and force my kids to go that direction now I'm not kidding I'm gonna, not going to force them to go that direction but I will do some mild brainwashing <sighs> but I try not to let it obviously affect my um, fantasy football analysis and be like blindly in on Clemson players, because, you know, sometimes we sometimes do have a little shaky history in, <laughs> in terms of longevity in the NFL. Um, but Travis Etienne, I, I feel bad I didn't stand behind him. Etienne had just five touchdowns last year. No receiving touchdowns, five rushing touchdowns, 35 receptions which for perspective, like that was less than a guy like Devin Singletary on the Bills last year. It was less than Samaje P. Ryan last year. It was less than Rex Burkhead last year. Like Travis Etienne legitimately did not have receiving upside. And that was really the problem that I had is that I genuinely didn't believe that he had the receiving upside that we need out of running backs to really give them that top 10 profile, right? And on top of that, only five touchdowns last year. If you're not getting receptions, if you're not getting a significant amount of touchdowns from a fantasy perspective, it's a big problem. So I came into the season with the, you know, with the assumption the offense was going to operate very similarly to last year, but we're not even halfway through the season yet. And he already has seven rushing touchdowns and 24 receptions. And he is the RB three overall in PPR, like he is, he is him and he looks fantastic out there. I mean, even early on where like, you know, they kind of used Tank Bigsby just a tiny bit and like bring him into goal line situations, Um, not significantly or anything that was worrisome. But even back then, I mean, he was just, he looked electric. He looked like the guy who deserved to be on the field 70 plus percent of the time. So yeah, I, I apologize. I was wrong. I was very wrong about Travis Etienne. I wish I had more shares of Travis Etienne. And a lot of this had to do with Calvin Ridley. (laughs) And that's really, really the big problem here. I thought that this was going to be a very pass heavy offense this season, gunslinging offense, you know, Trevor Lawrence out there just, you know, throwing the ball around to Christian Kirk, who was going to be unbelievable, who has panned out very well. So that's fine. but I thought he was going to be able to sustain that upside that he had last year. Zay Jones and his connection with Trevor Lawrence was going to remain strong. Um, And I still think that that could remain strong once he comes back from injury. Um, I thought that Evan Ingram was going to be a solid top 10 tight end and he is, um, but Ingram doesn't have any touchdowns. So he's been very solid, but he hasn't seen that Evan Ingram massive upside, like where we were getting every now and then like those 20 Fantasy point games last season that hasn't happened. So I thought you get all of that and you add in Calvin Ridley, this offense was going to be fire. And Travis Etienne's maybe only, you know, I was like, okay, maybe the only, you know, thing that can happen here is he gets the goal line opportunities. But what if Tank Bixby, which I also hate, by the way, um, because I've done a very good job at not being fooled by the addition of running backs being drafted and that immediate, you know, fear of these rookie running backs coming in and no, it's going, they're going to take over the workload and this, this, and that. It's not that I feared tank Bigsby, um but I did worry that if Travis Etienne only had five rushing touchdowns last year, maybe they didn't believe in him as a goal line back and they would lean towards tank Bigsby. who, by the way, the Tank name is very misleading. He's not a massive Tank, right? That's not where the nickname <laughs> comes from. <laughs> He's not significantly bigger than Travis Etienne. They're both they're both slimmer dudes. Um, but I had done a good job in the past with, you know, we had last year Austin Eckler come in, and, or Austin Eckler with the big year, and um, people were concerned um, from the prior year. People were concerned that, Isaiah Spiller was drafted and he's going to come in and get those goal line touches. And, um, that didn't phase me. I was still all in on Austin Eckler last year and it worked out same thing with Josh Jacobs. People know Zamir White. They're going to do a committee and they're bringing this and that. Nope. Nope. Didn't fall for that. Fool's gold as well. Um, Zach Charbonnet sell your, sell your Kenneth Walker shares. Zach Charbonnet is coming to take over. Nope. Nope. Didn't fall for that. Um, but dang, I got got on Travis Etienne, and um, I can admit that. Colin Ridley has to be the most disappointing player of 2023. Now, there's been some disappointments in guys who have underperformed because of injuries. And I'll say, like, you know, I was very in on Deontay Johnson. You know, you can't account for as much as we want to try and account for injuries and predicting when an injuries are going to happen in injury history. You can't account for it. You can't. You can't account for the fact that a guy, you can't, excuse me, I think I might've like slurred a tiny bit. You cannot account for the fact that a guy like Christian McCaffrey can miss two years due to injury and then come back and be just fully healthy and good to go. Perfectly fine. You can't account for the fact that, you know, there's some situations obviously where there are certain players who very clearly cannot make it through a season like every shot pin like we know we know and that's that's a different situation but we can't look at a Keenan Allen and say well you know we're gonna fade him because of you know he's old and that hamstring could pop up again we can't like you know we can't do that because injuries get even the young ones Christian Watson um injuries got Deontay Johnson it happens it happens So I don't, you know, I don't take injury into consideration when looking at a player and saying that they have been a disappointment, right? Because that's something that they can't help and we cannot predict. Uh, But there's been no injury issue with Calvin Ridley. This is just disappointment on top of disappointment in him just being, um, him being a problem, unfortunately. And I'm thankful that his ADP rose so dramatically during draft season because that was my only saving grace. I was so in on Calvin Ridley during the off season when he was like wide receiver 28, and I'm like, oh my gosh, Calvin Ridley, wide low end wide receiver three value. Yeah, that can pay off. I think that's perfectly fine. I'm in. I like him. I wrote up all my articles and you know, you know, Calvin Ridley, wide receiver one upside, and you can draft him as a wide receiver three. Uh, yeah. And, and so I was fine, perfectly fine with Calvin Ridley at that point. But as we got closer to the season and all of a sudden people started saying, yo, Calvin Ridley, the ADP jumped so dramatically, he was creeping up to that wide receiver, 15, 16. I was so far out like that. Just, it just didn't sit right. And that was correct. Uh, The impact that Ridley has had to this offense has been minimal at best. Unfortunately, Christian Kirk has looked fantastic for everyone that thought that Christian Kirk was going to be um, pushed out by Calvin Ridley. It's so very clearly not Calvin Ridley that is any kind of issue for Christian Kirk. It's clearly the same situation of last year where Zay Flowers is it provoked per. um, provides the only issue for Christian Kirk because of the way that they play. Calvin Ridley is relevant to the equation. So Christian Kirk is thriving. He's looking like Christian Kirk. And we'll get Zay Jones back at some point, and it'll be the whole, you know, back and forth. And one has a big game, and one has an underwhelming game. But at least they have the realistic opportunity for upside. Calvin Ridley is just looking like a hot mess, unfortunately. And it just doesn't look good. Um, Hopefully things can turn around because – The Jags are five and two, which is crazy, which is crazy. Um, Excuse me for the cough, but uh, yeah, they're thriving. They are thriving. And despite the fact that, you know, from a fantasy perspective, um, Trevor Lawrence has been frustrating. The offense has been running efficiency or efficiently. He's not out there looking like the second coming of – I can't say the second coming of, let me not because I was about to reference current player. And I'm like, you can't reference players that are that close and literally in the same draft class. Um, he He's not looking like the guy that we thought he would be, but he is running the team well. So we have to give him that. So yeah, the Jacksonville Jaguars, they're, they're ones to watch. I think that Travis Etienne's usage is going to stick. When you're looking at running backs that you trust for the remainder of the season, we trust Christian McCaffrey. We trust. Who else do we super 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 trust? I'm trusting Travis Etienne. I'm trusting him. I you know feel confident. I'm not selling high. Well, if I <laughs> if I had shares, this is my advice to people who did draft him. Um you're not selling high. Uh, this is a good situation. Trust him. Trust this direction. He looks fantastic. We don't there's no one going to be stealing his workload. So this has been Absolutely fantastic. All right, before we uh, before we dive into our next uh, minor hot topic, we'll kind of go through some minor ones real quick. We are actually going to hear a word from our sponsor.
1: Hey, so many ask me what's wrong with sports books? Why so many of them fail? The answer is simple. They don't innovate. They're just casino sports books on a phone. That's all they've been. There are a few that are doing a good job. We partner with them. Most of them, not so much. Until Bet Openly came along. BetOpenly said, hey, we're going to innovate. We're going to do something groundbreaking. We're going to have peer-to-peer betting in all states. And you pay 1%. When you win, you pay just 1% on your winnings. You heard that right. It's 1%. With code Underworld, you qualify for just that 1% transaction fee on BetOpenly. It gives you ultimate flexibility to set your own lines and browse lines that others have set. Think about it. That's what betting should be. And now that is the reality. BetOpenly.com. The code is Underworld. Check it out. Learn more at marines.com.
0: Also, before I forget, a reminder a reminder for everyone, the player profiler all in package has been lowered to $85 through the end of October. We are almost at the end of October, so you got to jump on it. Like right now, it literally ends next week. The all-in package gets subscribers access to our player rankings, Dynasty rankings, DFS, Dominator, data analysis, and you also get the world-famous draft kit when it drops in the offseason. That is fun. Fantasy football is fun. You gotta get it. So take advantage of the little discount right here and jump in. Jump in while the price is good. All right, let's go through some minor hot topics here. Oh, man. Baltimore. Yeah, Baltimore. We got to talk about them. Is this the Lamar Jackson that we've been waiting for? Is this the Todd Monken offense that was promised? Um, because this, if this is what's promised, oh my God. <laughs> the efficiency, the yardage, the big plays, the touchdowns. I mean, the groundwork. I mean, ugh, this was just like music to my ears as somebody who drafted more Lamar Jackson than they should have, um, which is fine. It's, it's working out. But, you know, diversify. I ain't diversify. I went like, hey, Lamar, we're going in. Um, 21 completions on 27 attempts. Uh, again, efficiency. Efficiency is the key here. I don't want Lamar to be gunslinger 40, 50 attempts. I don't need you to go in out there like Jared Goff was out there throwing 50 attempts. Like, no, I don't, I don't want that. We can keep the attempts slower, but, you know, efficient and accurate. 357 yards. 21 passes, 357 yards. I mean, this was just, uh, it was beautiful. Three touchdowns through the air, one on the ground. It was a massive role performance. Detroit... um, <sighs> Or Detroit. Detroit. Uh, yeah. And Baltimore just looked incredible. Incredible. This is what we've been waiting for. This is a team right here. This version of the Baltimore Ravens is a team right here that I can see being legitimate competitors in the playoffs. And I want to see it. I want that for Lamar Jackson so badly. So badly. Not just for my fantasy teams, for Lamar Jackson too. Um. Another minor hot topic, the Las Vegas defense, like target, target, and target it some more. Um, Jameer Gibbs to the moon. Uh, And I think I'm going to go and jump to a mailbag question here since I just brought up target the Las Vegas defense and Jameer Gibbs. Now, I still stand David Montgomery, obviously. You guys know, uh, in the long run, he is the team's RB1. It's just that this is... This is Jameer Gibbs time. These are fantastic matchups. And this week, right here against Vegas, this is a must-start week. I don't care about the any kind of status for David Montgomery if for saving for some reason David Montgomery came back this week. I mean, you would obviously just, you know, start him no question as well. Um, but this is the Vegas defense. This is a must start. You got to eat the chalk. You got to play. You got to do it. You get in in DFS specifically. You got to do it. You got to do it. And I'm going to jump down to um, the mailbag question here from Kerwin Yonder. I could use improvement on wide receiver. Who could I get for Gibbs? And that is my point right here. And why I wanted to bring this up as we were talking about that Las Vegas defense. Give it a week. Do not sell Gibbs right now. I know you're feeling like you want to sell him high. But if you give it one more week, and he absolutely destroys that Vegas defense because the likelihood is super high because anybody and everybody that has played Las Vegas has looked like a superstar. It's like it's the cure. It's the fix all for everything. Playing that Las Vegas defense as a running back, you're good to go. So I can't fathom the level of fantasy points that Jameer Gibbs is going to get against the Raiders defense. So just give it a week and the perception will change dramatically because we're going to see people look at this situation and be less like, okay, Gibbs had a nice week with Dave Montgomery out. And if you get two strong weeks in a row, what you're going to see is people looking at this and saying, Gibbs is going to take over. Kibbs is going to be the RB1. You can't hold a good man down. He's going to be, he's, you know, Dan Campbell's going to be forced to play him now. And I think we overestimate the fact, like Dan Campbell is very steadfast and very, I don't want to say stubborn, but he seems like a man of principle. Yeah. That, that's a better way to phrase it. He seems like a man of principle. And in, his, he has already openly told us and stated that David Montgomery is his RB1. he has, literally made that extremely clear. And I don't think that that is going to adjust in any way, shape, or form. I think that when you look at that um, offense and how they performed this week, getting absolutely destroyed, Jared Goff out there throwing, um, I should put this in my notes, um, throwing upwards of 50 passes. (laughs) That didn't work. It didn't work. They got demolished. And while the defense looked terrible, it really was offensively like that shouldn't have happened. And I think that he'll go back and look at this and say, this game would have gone a lot differently if I had my my workhorse running back. So if you look at it from that perspective, I I, I don't feel like there is risk of David Montgomery being overtaken. But I think that you could convince somebody that this is Jameer Gibbs team now. And so if you wait one week, I think that you can trade. Gibbs and get a player that has, you know, some very high upside. At receiver. Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> technology, um, Bluetooth technology, um, get a receiver that has some really high upside, you know, you could get, um, right now if you were doing it, I think that you could realistically get, um, Christian Kirk. I think you could get Garrett Wilson. I think you can get Michael Pittman Jr. And a week from now, honestly think that will be a cakewalk trade and somebody will accept that easily. So, and you could shoot maybe a little bit higher depending on how fantastic the game is. So I think that's kind of your baseline right here. Your Christian Kirk, Garrett Wilson, Michael Pittman level, you're like reaching a little bit, but not unrealistically. And after next week, I mean, I think you could reach a little bit more. So that's kind of the the level of trades that I'd be looking at. All right, jumping up to um, a couple more. Do I have a couple more? Hot? Yeah, a couple more hot topics here. Um, I would talk about Tua right here. I, d- I don't like to do, and I don't even think this would be a victory lap, but I don't like to vict- victory lap in any way, shape, or form. Um, and this is technically and even not one of those things, but I I gotta say, I warned you. Um, I warned you all about. Tua. We had questions earlier, mailbag questions earlier about Tua. Um, and I said Tua was a sell for me. He was a sell. And a lot of people have been like, you know, very, why, you know, why would you sell in someone in one of the most, you know, one of the hottest offenses in the league, they're the best offense. And why would you sell Tua? You sell Tua because he is a great quarterback. This is not a knock to Tua at all, but you sell him because from a fantasy football perspective, he lacks the rushing upside to overcome bad matchups. That's that's what happened. 11 fantasy points in a loss to Philadelphia. When he faces good defenses, where they can't just absolutely light it up through the air, and they still, you know, Tyreek still got his, but, you know, you can't... There are situations where this Miami team is going to face defenses that have the ability to pressure Tua and slow that offense down a little bit. Not make it a complete nightmare. Because for me, from a real football perspective, he was 23 of 32. That's a good completion. Or, yeah, that's a good completion percentage. Um, It's like 70. That's fine. 216 yards. Not massive. But, you know, hey, if you... It's a decent baseline. He got a touchdown, had the interception. It's not a real terrible line. Um, intercep- interception aside, it was good good efficiency against a strong defense. But this is not real football. Again, this is fantasy football. And that means that you have to look at that schedule and be a little bit concerned. Um, the schedule is awful. It's really bad. And the playoff schedule in particular... Is terrible you have to be prepared even if you're not selling to it at this point you're saying okay I'm gonna ride it I, I don't want to sell him I want to start him in the great matchups and you need to be prepared to stream when he faces teams like this and it's not all the time but again it's a it's not the best schedule in the world so you need to look ahead and predict those times where you're going to need to pivot. Moving on to my last kind of hot topic that I wanted to touch on real quick cuz I feel like I can't dance around the subject. Um Green Bay. What on what on earth was the game plan here? I'm questioning Matt the floor, And I think all Packers fans are really and all just NFL fans are in general like looking at this and saying, "What what were you thinking? We're just going to spread the ball around with short passes." to all of these young receivers. We're not really going to push the ball downfield. We're not really going to challenge the Denver defense that has been vulnerable. Um, We're just going to take like a nice conservative approach to this. And we're not really going to let any big mistakes happen. We're just going to play it kind of safe here. it was terrible, terrible game planning. Um, I talked about Green Bay earlier and the fact that they're outperforming um, ADP. And they are. are. There's no doubt about that. Um, And that's going to continue. Jordan Love is going to continue to be around a low-end QB1, high-end QB2. Um, just, you know, again, purely based off you know certain upside that he has. And when the situations do call for it, he can have top five upside. So this is not a guy that from a streaming perspective you have to run away from. You don't. Um, but this is just... Just a sketchy situation. And I think we can carry that into the injury topics because we have um, minor injuries, not not a huge week, right? Um, Luke Musgrave dealing with an injury. So we'll do the Packers first. Luke Musgrave dealing with an injury. Um, we'll have to kind of monitor that. Then we've got um, Christian Watson's knee, supposedly, supposedly not an issue, but I'm going to have to believe it. Um, I will see it when I believe it on um, on Sunday, cause <clears throat> I don't know about it. <laughs> it's just like a, just like a very sketchy situation. He is constantly, um, the way that he is dealing with injuries and the fact that we can't really get a fully healthy, um, 100% utilized Christian Watson is very frustrating. And I know that it's very frustrating for the offense as a whole and very frustrating for Jordan Love. The lack of consistency is just a problem. Um, bigger injuries though, um, more concerns. Jalen Hurts knee doesn't appear to be an issue. Saquon Barkley's elbow doesn't appear to be an issue. Bijan Robinson's illness. <laughs> um, I hope the Falcons get fined for that. That man woke up with a headache. You can't tell me nobody knew and nobody could, you have to inform. You have to like, why? Mm. Arthur Smith, Arthur Smith, that man, (laughs) that's like my, my, my arch nemesis, Arthur Smith. When people say, well, you know, you got to keep playing Bijan and DFS and this, this and that. I'll miss it. Like, I'm just, I'm not dealing with Atlanta because I'm not dealing with Arthur Smith. I'm done. Um, More injury concerns. Uh, Deshaun Watson's injury. I think this is a significant issue. Um, re-injured the shoulder. And obviously we've got some news that has come out that is very, um, very not good in terms of him missing time. And I want to jump to a mailbag question that we have here because, um, it's very relevant to the Deshaun Watson injury situation. And I was prepared to answer this question differently until that news came through, um, from at Steve Summit 14, am I crazy for wanting to drop Amari Cooper for Josh Downs? You are crazy, but you're not crazy. You're not. Because if we're going to be dealing with this offense with PJ Walker, who was fine the prior week, last week was an issue, and maybe that had something to do with. I don't think matchup was the issue. Maybe, maybe it had something to do with Deshaun preparing to be the QB one all week. Maybe PJ Walker didn't get the preparation that he needed heading into the week. If the team thought that um, Deshaun was fine and this was not going to be an issue. So maybe that was the concern here because the prior week um, PJ Walker was fine. He was stable. It was not an issue. They, you know, had a big win over a difficult team. Amari Cooper had a solid amount of production. So, I think that this team under PJ Walker can, can be decent. Deshaun Watson has been frustrating. Cleveland has been a hot mess and the, it's still Amari Cooper dropping Amari Cooper is, is crazy because this is a man who has been a top 20 receiver every single year outside of two years. Um, so it's really tough to sit here and look at him and, and not get any value out of him. You would want to trade him. But the problem is, is that, is there anyone that's really wanting to trade him? I can understand benching him. and But the problem here is, is dropping Amari Cooper for Josh Downs, you want Josh Downs. And that's where the lack of crazy comes through because Josh Downs is real. The connection with Gardner Minshew is real. This is one that I've touched on for several weeks now. Um, before we even got the season-ending, enduring-ending injury from uh, Anthony Richardson, there was a clear, invisible connection, and you know statistically, you could look at it as well. I went through every single play in the games where Gardner Minshew came in um, for Anthony Richardson when he was, you know, he get injured mid-game. I think the first one was like, um, what was the first? Ugh. First one concussion and then the second one uh, shoulder. Um, But yeah, uh, when he came in, you could look and see that it was very clear Gardner Minshew really likes and meshes well with Josh Downs. The skill set meshes and you have to pay attention to that. Josh Downs usage is going to stick. I started Josh Downs last week. Not even as a flex option. That man was my. Now, granted, it was a. I had no T. Higgins. I had no Deion. Or no, I had Deontay Johnson coming off, but I had no T. Higgins. um, So it was kind of a shaky week for me. But I started him as like a wide receiver too last week. Josh Downs. I think he's a weekly start here. So I I get it though. We're looking at would I start Josh Downs or Mari Cooper? It's a lot closer than I would like to admit. It really is because we've got Josh Downs, who is clearly he's getting production any way that he can via targets, via yardage, via touchdowns. The week before, we didn't have the high level of yardage, but we did get saved by the touchdown. This week, this past week, we got um, a fantastic combination of all. We've seen him have those high target games. So I don't think this is an anomaly by any means. I think it's something that we have to pay attention to. Um, couple other injuries. We got Jerome Ford the high ankle injury, not severe, thank God. Uh, (laughs) One to two weeks, um, which is which is frustrating because as a as a Jerome Ford, I didn't I didn't go aggressively in on Fab on Jerome Ford. I rostered Jerome Ford, one of my favorite late round uh targets in deeper leagues uh Jerome Ford you finally felt comfortable using him because he had been in several terrible matchups and so you roll him out this past week and you're like okay feeling good Jerome Ford and he did what he was supposed to do um again you know people point out um you know that he has a lot of production coming off of big plays People have pointed out the same thing about Kenneth Walker in the past. And, you know, sometimes I feel like people try to find and nitpick reasons to try and justify why a certain player isn't as good as a player because they prefer the player that's behind them. Just admit that you prefer Kareem Hunt and stop trying to downgrade Jerome Ford. He looks great. He looks fine. The production was there. Um, Kareem Hunt can be you can be a Kareem Hunt fan without having to find justifications as to why Jerome Ford has issues. Stop stop doing that. Um, but it looks like we're going to see a little bit of time here, miss, for Jerome Ford. And with that said, it's obviously Kareem Hunt to the moon. He has looked strong, um, got a nice goal line touch, or not goal line, but red zone. So like maybe in the five or so. Um, nice, you know, inside the 10 touch. Um, Got the touchdown, Uh, you know, receptions are a possibility there with him as well. So, yeah, Kareem Hunt should be um, a must start with Jerome Ford out. Pierre Strong, you can look at in deep leagues. Uh, Unfortunately, the problem there is that I think he's going to get fine production on the ground, but he won't have that receiving upside, even though receiving upside is within like that's good profile for him. He's a good receiving back, but it's obviously going to go to Kareem Hunt. So Pierre Strong in deep leagues with the understanding that there's not going to be a ton of upside there. Um, and then DK Metcalf's hip. Obviously, we don't, you know, we'll just have to monitor that one. All right. Um, we're going to do some more mailbag questions here to before we close out the show. And a reminder, guys, make sure that you're checking out First Class Fantasy on Thursdays with Billy and Theo. You cannot miss this show. Um, again, you know, it's first class fantasy. It's a staple of player profiler. It is top names within the industry, um, coming and talking with Billy and Theo, giving you fantastic fantasy analysis. They have great guests. Some of my favorite guests in the world, um, every single week. So it is a must watch, must listen, must consume content. All right. We're going to start off with a mailbag question from Matt Huchins, my, um, who was my uh, who was my co-manager? My co-manager in a league, um, the uh, Pros with Joe's fantasy um, tournament. I guess in theory, uh, fantasy uh, uh, fantasy tournament thing um, for charity. And our team is super strong; like we've been dominating, and we lost this week. And we should not have lost this week. This was we were. We, we were going to win heading into the Monday night game. Um, we just needed like I think it might have been like 10 fantasy points against Marcus Grant. We were playing Marcus Grant and we just needed like 10 fantasy points between. Um, and it's a deep, it's like a 14 team league and um, had some players on bye week. So we were rolling out, um, one of our flexes was. Elijah Mitchell. And we knew we weren't really going to get a ton of points from that. But we had Brandon Iyuk. And surely, surely you could get like 10 points or just a little bit, a little bit of production from Brandon Ayuk. Um, And what happened to Brandon Ayuk? Um, Brock Party happened to Brandon Iyuk. I kind of feel like... <laughs> I kind of feel like, or not ten. we must've needed like, I don't know, like maybe 12 fantasy points from Brandon Ayuk or something. And obviously felt like this was going to be, um, he's projected to get like 15 or 16. So we're like, Oh no, we're good. And Devo Samuel out. This is going to be a good George, or this is going to be a good Brandon Ayuk game. Nope. Nope. Didn't get that. Um, what happened with Brandon Ayuk? Brock Tur- <laughs> Did I almost say Brock Turdy. <laughs> Brock Brock Purdy, I did not intentionally say Brock Turdy, Um, Brock Purdy has turned into a pumpkin. Um, If you look at the statistics, it still looks fine, but there were some bad interceptions and it looks like you have to wonder if teams have reached that point with him where they noticed something. Like, he's been strong, strong to start off the season. And then we look at week six and we say, (laughs) against Cleveland, obviously, they lose the game. And we say, you know, hey, it's a tough defensive matchup. Cleveland's literally one of the worst teams that you can play in the league. It's it's such a difficult matchup. So we give an excuse there. And then he comes around on Minnesota, who, you know, defensively has been not as bad as people think, but it comes around on Minnesota. And again, you know, we're looking at a subpar game. He did not look good. There was some volume there. So don't get fooled by saying, hey, it was nearly 300 yards. No, something just didn't look great. Right. And I'm wondering if we maybe reached that Geno Smith point where <laughs> it appears that people have said, "No, we see you, Brock Purdy," and they have figured it out. It'll be and this is one to monitor. This is one to monitor. We play Cincinnati this week, which is a male, like a not a male, but a mixed bag of. Things that could happen. So, yeah, this one is one to monitor because it does affect Brandon Iu, who should have been fantastic. And um, we lost our fantasy matchup literally because of that. That was painful. Oh, man. Next mailbag question um, from at long AE long two, 2004. Is Zach Charbonnet worth keeping for redraft, obviously, in PPR? And key here is a shallow. Bench. So Zach Charbonnet is a high upside handcuff. And at the end of the day, he's just a handcuff. They're all over the place. Handcuffs, they're on every team um, and they're available on waivers. And, you know, he was one of those handcuffs that we rostered, that we drafted fairly early, fairly early, imagining that he was going to have standalone value, potentially cutting into Kenneth Walker's work- workload. And It hasn't happened. I don't think it happens. I don't think that it's happening. Um, We're seven weeks in and technically six for Charbonnet. And Zach Charbonnet hasn't even come close to making any kind of dent in Kenneth Walker's workload. We want to roster high-end handcuff um, options. So it is right to hold him. But if you're in a shallow league... um, I do think you can move on. Again, you know, we saw last year with Kenneth Walker, he got the chance due to injury. Rashad Penny got hurt, and then he got the chance and was the star from there on. And Charbonnet could go the same path. But if a guy like Tajay Spears, like this this is a shallow bench league, um, which always, those leagues drive me crazy when I'm in shallow league, Um, shallow bench leagues, um, because there's so much on waivers and you have to make those tough choices. But if a guy like Tajay Spears is on waivers, I'm dropping Charbonnet. I could be persuaded to drop him for Jaleel McLaughlin. I'm not opposed to that. If I had a losing record and I need a running back that is actually going to give me production so I can get a win, yeah. I would drop Zach Charbonnet for a player that can actually help me right now. Yeah. Keep him if you can afford to. Because again... If for some reason something were to happen to Kenneth Walker, we're talking immediate top 10 potential back. So if you can keep him, because he is a high upside handcuff, do so. But you can drop him if there's something better that you can move on for him. All right, from Brian LaForte, trade Stevenson and Laporta for Mark Andrews in PPR. I'm five and two. I have Waller or Walker, Jacobs, Ingram, and Chase. Yes, I like this. I'd be curious who the bench running backs are, um, but I like this move right here. The hype around Sam Laporta is real. Take advantage of it right now. Secure the upgrade. Realistically, the next three games are going to be very run heavy. Um, We've got Vegas this week for Detroit. Then they've got the bye week. And... Then we've got David Montgomery that should be back, and we'll have um, the Lions facing the LA Chargers in Chicago and Green Bay. New Orleans is a tough matchup, and then Chicago again and Denver. Realistically, they're probably going to – we're going to see Detroit shift back to lower pass volume and more reliance on the run. I do think that that's the direction that this could go, especially with Gibbs showing um, You know, Montgomery is going to come back as a lead back, but maybe we get more increased workload on the ground, which can benefit Gibbs so by no means do i don't think do i think that sam laporta is going to disappear he's got steady workload but he you know he uh if the if, if the attempts come back down to that 20 you know 25 to 35 range sam laporta has had two strong games but it's very important to contextualize why they were strong games one was without amin ross a brown so boom there's the obvious and then one was with no David Montgomery, where Gibbs was primarily working on the ground and had no no receiving work. So that receiving work went to Sam Laporta. There were very specific reasons as to why Laporta had those boom games. I think he's got a steady floor, but I would prefer to have Mark Andrews. And I think that making that trade right there is not too much to ask for to get Mark Andrews. So I would make that trade. Question from Steve Summit14. Am I crazy for wanting to drop Amari? Uh, no, no, no. We already did that one because we pushed that one up. Um, question from Nightgator104 uh, Is Zay Flowers and Tyler Algier for Shroud too much? I got Stafford as my QB1, Had Richardson. My condolences. And I've got Puka, Ayuk, Olave, and Downs and JSN as my wide receivers. So I don't think it's too much. Uh, they're essentially whoever you're trading with, right? They're giving up a bench quarterback that they might occasionally use for streaming. And then say flowers. When we're looking at the other side of the trade, we've got say flowers, obviously wide receiver one for Lamar Jackson flex worthy on a weekly basis upside a little bit cap because of Mark Andrews being the primary in that offense, Tyler Algier, um, Again, high end upside handcuff um, and a guy that has some weekly standalone value as well. So I don't think that it's too much, really. I think that that's a fine amount for um, for Stroud. But here's my problem and why it might be a little bit too much. Again, they're giving up a bench quarterback to get all of that. Doesn't seem right. And on top of that, the shine has kind of wore off of Stroud over the past two games, he's had 14 fantasy points and 15 fantasy points um, for the bye week and three straight games. That's after three straight games of 20 plus fantasy point performances. And we can kind of see why that happened. We can see why it happened because <laughs> he's facing better defenses. And I don't really like the next three matchups. He does face, you know, good, you know, he faces Tennessee twice in the playoffs. So if you want to hold him long-term for streaming in the playoffs, that's fine. Or have him long-term for streaming in the playoffs. But I don't know if he is the right quarterback for you to be targeting. I think you've got the right idea because I don't like the matchups for Stafford moving forward. Um, I do think you have the right idea to trade those specific pieces for a quarterback. I just don't know if that's the guy. Um, the only reason I could make that trade is if you're winning and you're a favorite and you can afford to, um, have a couple of underwhelmings for Stroud until he, underwhelming performances for Stroud until he gets to the better part of his schedule. If you're looking to make that trade because you have a losing record and you need to get a win, I don't think that's going to get you the win. So hopefully that kind of answered the question. It's, it's those two pieces to trade for a quarterback. Yay. For Stroud in particular, not so much of a fan um, unless you have a winning record and you can just kind of eat a loss or two until he gets into the better part of a schedule. So that is that is the idea there. All right. And then our last mailbag question from BG97. With Javante Williams looking more explosive, should I continue to roster him and Jaleel McLaughlin? I love this question. This was my favorite question of the week. Because it is very interesting because Jalil McLaughlin has easily looked like the best back in Denver. Statistically, he's looked like the best back. Um, Visually, he's looked like the best back when you're watching the games. But you are very, very correct that Javante Williams looked very different last week and even the week before, too, a little bit um, prior to the bye week. But um, yeah, maybe just one game off. Helped put a little bit more pep in his step. He looked so much better. 15 carries for 82 yards, 5.4 yards per carry. This was the best he looked all season. And he led the backfield. So, you know, if Sean Payton is committed to him as the lead back and he's looking a little bit better, maybe we can finally, finally get some level of upside from Javante Williams. So, I mean, fingers crossed here. But you're correct. You are correct. This is a whole Javante and Jaleel McLaughlin, too. Yeah, you've got both. Yeah, you can roster both of them at this point because you don't want McLaughlin on waivers. Uh, I don't think that ultimately McLaughlin is going to take over this Mac field, but he's still statistically outperforming everyone else in terms of his per carry rates, his per snap rates. He just might be a really good change of pace back that plays behind Javante and can have weekly standalone value. And then again is a high upside handcuff if something were to happen to Javante. So yeah, after that performance, I, I feel more comfortable rostering both. I feel more comfortable with Javante moving forward and I'm still okay with rostering to Leo McLaughlin. McLaughlin um, because again, he's looked fantastic. This is not a guy that you can leave on waivers. All right, that wraps everything up for the show. Very good show. Very good questions. as always remember if you're listening, um, tag me on Twitter and let me know if you have any questions that you want on the show or if you have any questions in general, just you know tag me. Um, I'll do my best to respond and hopefully you would like it on the show if we can get the question on the show. that would be fantastic because I'm always looking for more mailbag questions. If I had like fifty mailbag questions, I would skip the hot topics and we would just do mailbag 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 just questions 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 we would we could do it it's our show we do what we want right um all right if you're watching on the podcast version please subscribe to Player Profiler and to um, the stream for Dear Miss Fantasy as well. That would be greatly appreciated. And if you're watching this on uh, YouTube, be sure to like the video. Drop me a comment below and um, share the video as well. Love the views and make sure that you're subscribed to Player Profiler as well. All right, people, I will catch you next week. Good luck with your fantasy lineups. Hopefully everything goes well for you. I will see you again, same time, same place next week.